0: This is Table Talk with the Greenville House of Prayer, where we set the table for Christian conversations that explore the scripture, promote prayer, and seek to edify the body of Christ. For more information about Greenville House of Prayer or to contact us, please visit our website at o r g or connect with us on Facebook at Greenville House of Prayer. Now for today's broadcast. Well, welcome to another episode of Table Talk with the Greenville House of Prayer. My name's Curtis Carr. I'm your host, and here with my faithful co-host, Dustin Hughes. Hopefully that's, faithful. Hopefully how are you doing? True. Yeah, <coughs> Most right. of the time. Most of the time. And faithful. when you're not faithful, he is still that's faithful exactly to you, right? In right, right. our mm-hmm. faithlessness, right?
1: Hey, hey a, a personal note real quick. Uh, Curtis, welcome to the Four Child Club. Yes, mm-hmm. I just yeah. we
0: just had our fourth daughter. There you go. Yeah. Miss Catherine Ann. Yeah. You we can make all donations it. to at Curtis. Yeah, kidding, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can put my
1: uh, <laughs> my Cash App demo up there yeah, for all the support. Congratulations. Congratulations, Congratulations
0: to you, man. I appreciate awesome. that. Yeah, that we really yeah. very thankful. You know, everything went um, as smooth as it could. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so we're very thankful to the Lord. There yeah. were some complications, so that she had to have a C- C-section a little bit early. And yeah we're concerned but about that. But baby's great now Lord and everything. Lord, answer prayers. Everybody's good. And yeah. yeah. Way to yeah. add arrows to that quiver, man. That's right. It's great. That's right. are a blessing. Family of six sure. now. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So enough about me. I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. I had to th- th- throw you right. off the game there. Excited about yeah. this episode because we have a special guest with us. We have Carrie Sanders, who is the executive director of Jumpstart South Carolina, which is a local ministry out of Spartanburg, um, and they uh, ministry focus on discipling current and former prisoners. Uh, and they assist with reentry into society, just a holistic approach mm. to ministering to them. And excited to learn about that ministry more, but also hear more of your story, Carrie. So thanks for joining us today.
2: Hey, Curtis and Dustin, thank you for having me, and I'm excited to have the opportunity to share and brag on what God's doing in our community through yeah. His people. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's Good. amazing. Uh, I, you know, I took a tour, went and visited you guys a few weeks ago and, and heard more of the story. And I'd heard about Jumpstart just through... You know, the community work that I do, and always hear tremendous testimonies, but just the growth and the impact and the success rate that you guys are having, which I'm sure we'll talk about um, in the episode. But it's just really encouraging to see that and then to see the way the community has come around a ministry like this. And you know, it takes every churches, community members, business leaders, nonprofit leaders, all working together to have the impact that the Lord wants us to have. For a Absolutely. region, and uh, this is just one expression of that. So, thanks for being here, and uh, thanks for what you guys do. Um, if you want to learn more about JumpStart, you can visit their website at jumpstartvision.org. That's jumpstartvision.org. Um, but before we jump into JumpStart, uh, I want to hear Seems more of there. your story, Carrie, because I mean it ties into the ministry, and you've told me a little bit about it. Um, I also called a. A, a glimpse, or heard a little bit of the uh, speech you gave at North Greenville recently. Hmm. Uh, I saw that it was on your fa- JumpStarts Facebook page. So you sh- if you're listening, you want to go check that out. It was, you know, you hear a little bit more of your story and the the impact of JumpStart. That was a very uh, great speech you gave. Uh, the little bit that Thank I listened you. to it. So, um, but for people listening, you can go learn more there as well. But just maybe set the stage a little bit for who you are. You know, how you got into this position and. Um, and how the Lord has brought you to where you are today.
2: Yeah, thanks. So I grew up, for the most part, in northern Greenville County. Uh, my mom had my brother when she was 16, mm-hmm. uh, my father was 18. Um, then she had me at 18, and by the time she was 22, she had twins. My mom wow. didn't finish high school, and she, for the most part, raised us. My dad was in the picture, but he was they were divorced, and he drove a truck over the road. And mm-hmm. uh, So for the most part, my mom raised us. And my mom was an extremely hard worker, sun up to sun down. And even after us kids went to bed, she was trying to take care of the household and, mm-hmm. and provide. And my mom had really good morals and um, did her best to teach us right from wrong. But growing up, we weren't a church-going family. That's just not something we did and not something we were even really aware of. Mm-hmm. even though we grew up in, in the dark corner uh, where there's a church on mm-hmm. every uh, country corner. Mm-hmm. And so, but church was just not something that, that we did as a family. As a young adolescent, I started getting into all kind of trouble, Curtis. I, um, trouble for fighting, for stealing, drugs, just all kind of things. And as I reflect back on that, a lot of that was fueled by insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, people to respect me. I wanted people to like me. I um, mean, in a kind of a, the dark corner culture, if you will, the tough men were the ones who got the respect. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to take anything off of anyone. Um, I didn't want anybody saying anything to me sideways or anything like that. So anytime somebody wanted to pick a fight or something like that, I was all for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave me an opportunity to kind of validate myself. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a In middle school and high school years, you get a lot of affirmation from your peers when you do crazy things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so peer pressure can be really negative in those years. And was Uh, it
0: you and your brother? Were you guys running together? Yeah, me and my older older brother. Yeah, we were always
2: into some kind of mischief (laughs) there growing up. And, you know, sadly, by the age of 17, I had been arrested 17 different times. Wow. For a variety of different things? Yeah, for a variety of different things. Um, Just into, you know, like I said, fighting, stealing, drugs, Uh, vandalism, just all kind of mischievous behavior. Um, I really didn't have any direction or purpose in life and never really thought about life outside of the present moment. I didn't think about, you know, what am I going to do in the future? Where is this leading? Those just aren't kind of things that I was thinking about. So God
0: not even thinking about?
2: No. I had no no concept of any of that, really. Um, As I entered into my late you know, middle school, early high school years, I did have some peers who were involved in youth group mm-hmm. who'd be like, Carrie, you know, you really need to think about God and you need to come to church. And I'd be like, man, y'all are going to church and your families are paying people to make them feel bad about themselves, <laughs> right? And that was like the concept I had that that yeah, religion yeah. was this man-created thing to control people. And I'd read that in a book somewhere and that's all I needed to know about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just an ignorant, foolish rebel, hmm. I was in the Department of Juvenile Justice three different times during my adolescent years. And right before my 17th birthday, the Department of Juvenile Justice let me out. And they said, you know, you haven't done any kind of adult offenses, so we have to let you go. But, you know, the state will probably see you back. And, you know, I didn't want to go back to prison. I, I didn't enjoy that. I mm-hmm. wanted to straighten up. And I told myself over and over again, hey, I'm going to turn over a new leaf and, you know, Every time I got in trouble, you know, I would think that that day, like, I don't want to get in trouble anymore. This isn't fun. Mm -hmm. But the next day, I would be right back to doing uh, what I said I wasn't going to do anymore. Soon after my 17th birthday, um, I shot someone during an armed robbery in Greer, South Carolina. And um, several months later, I was apprehended in Canada as an international fugitive from justice and was brought back to Greenville by the Department of Homeland Security. And I was in the Greenville County Detention Center and a public defender came to see me and he said, Kerry, you know, you probably deserve a life sentence, but maybe I can get you 25 years. And I said, sir, I am never going to do that amount of time. He said, kid, how much do you want to bet? And I said, I'd bet you a lot. And uh, he just laughed me off. See, he didn't know the only thing I was thinking about was suicide because mm-hmm. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in heaven or hell. So why not just kill myself and finally be at peace? Yeah, mm. cease to exist. Yeah, in your mind, yeah. just cease yeah. to exist. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't get right. I had disappointed my family um, and I just I didn't have any really hope of anything ever turning around. And the night I was planning to hang myself, I was waiting on the guards to make their final rounds because they would come by about every hour. And this so I was knew what. Greenville County, still. Yeah, in Greenville County. You seventeen you, at the time, still. Yeah, I had, yeah. yeah, seventeen, 17 years so old. So when
0: you shot the person before we get to that, you did you just take off and fled to Canada? To Canada, yeah. were you running? Were you? No, what we, was your thought process. With yeah, that?
2: you know, we just kind of laid low for a couple of months, and as the heat was getting turned up, and um, someone we knew had been arrested, and we knew that it was probably about time for somebody yeah. to tell what they knew. I just took off. Yeah. 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 And, okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And um, and so really was just, I didn't even tell anybody where I was going. I got in my, tr- I was living with my grandmother at the time, and um, I was just so self-centered. I got in my vehicle and started driving and ended up in Canada. Wow. No plan, just. No job, no plan, no nothing. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. yeah. Were
0: you ever thinking like? there's got to be more to life than this or what in the world am I doing with myself or yeah, God, if I, you're real, you know, kind of in it, prior, prior to, to the suicidal yes. stuff. Cause I know there's a shift yeah. that comes, Yeah, but just, it just, that type of,
2: yeah, I think as I, as I look back, I think I was just driven by, you know, what I thought people were going to approve Yeah, and some of, you know, like when I was around my parents, when I was within their eyesight, I behaved, you know, I was, didn't, didn't talk back, didn't dare talk back to my family <laughs> and didn't get in really any trouble as long mm-hmm. as they were watching. But the minute I was around some of my older peers or maybe some other people that were getting into trouble, uh, you know, wanted to please them and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Yeah. So fast forward, you're in the Greenville County. Suicide is on your
0: mind. You're like, I'm not doing this time. guard's doing his final watch. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah.
2: And so I was thinking, you know, I've been wrong about everything else. Hmm. What if I am wrong about God? Hmm. And I still think to this day that was probably a whisper from mm-hmm. God. Absolutely what if you are. are wrong? Yeah. And, you know, someone had given me a Bible um, when I had got to the detention center. They were in there and they were like, you know, kid, this might help you. And I was like, man, you've been in and out here 10 times for smoke and crack. It hadn't (laughs) helped you. (laughs) And that was my mindset. Mm -hmm. And um, and I had just took and put it under my mattress. I didn't even want to be seen with the Bible. I thought that was weak. Mm -hmm. And um, as I was sitting there that night, I remembered that Bible was under there after thinking, what if I am wrong? And I got it out and began flipping through it. And there was an article uh, titled How to Have a New Life in Christ. And as you can imagine, a thought of a new life, it's like a new life. Mm-hmm. And I began reading about how God had created the world good. Uh, but this this disease called sin had entered into the world and it fully corrupted humanity from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And that the only cure for this sin was Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that was God in the flesh who had paid the price for humanity's sin and that if humanity accepted that sacrifice and repented of their sin turned from it mm-hmm. um, that God would save them yeah. and give them a new life and and in that moment it was like God you're real yeah wow. it just it just was like a light was that the came first on.
0: time you had ever heard the
2: gospel presented in that way? I had heard it preached, Yeah, you know, um, and, you know, I, if you grow up in the South, you cannot not go to church. That's what I was asking. Yeah, I thought that yeah, was Yeah, but it had peculiar. never made any sense to me before, yeah, like yeah, as I reflect back. And I wasn't in church often, maybe three or four times at like a funeral or yeah, a yeah. wedding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I just remember somebody up front hollering about, you know, you're going to accept Jesus or you're going to hell. Yeah, And that's about all I remember of yeah, hearing yeah. the gospel. Yeah. Never really kind of made any sense to me.
0: Well, if you're just tuning in, we're here with Carrie Sanders, who's the executive director of Jumpstart South Carolina, which is a ministry that disciples current and former prisoners and assists them with re-entry into society. Uh, they're really developing a preeminent model for transitioning uh, formerly incarcerated individuals into productive citizens. Uh, but Carrie has been sharing his story with us. Uh, he was just telling, getting in a lot of trouble in his adolescence leading up to... Shooting someone and being taken into to custody for that particular charge, and he was on the verge of committing suicide when he remembered the Bible he was given when he was brought into the prison, and uh, and then what you're reading the article about the gospel, basically a clear presentation of the gospel, and it just it just made sense all of a sudden, right? Yeah, Yeah. it was like
2: a light bulb came on, and you know, and still to this day I can remember. You know experiencing God's love joy and peace mm-hmm. and you know I didn't think that everything was just going to get better all of a sudden um, but I knew that there was more to life than that present moment and I knew that I had been forgiven Wow and that's what ultimately mattered so even though in the moment your
1: circumstances didn't change the presence of peace and joy
2: and love began to occur prior to your circumstances changing. right i, I mean it think. had it it completely changed everything in one sense but yeah. nothing but nothing another. changed <laughs> in <that moment. laughs> okay yeah, yeah. yeah. nothing That's changed awesome. yeah. supernaturally you know it wasn't like paul and barnabas singing and the prison doors the door up. Yeah. and um but in that moment it was a high that i had never experienced before yeah and there was almost no drug i hadn't tried yeah and it was like okay this is Something's what life's different. about yeah and, um, you know, a couple of months later, I faced the judge for sentencing, and I didn't beg for mercy or, you know, a reduced sentence. I knew that I had did something, you know, egregious mm-hmm. and deserved whatever punishment was handed down.
0: Had you started growing in your walk with the Lord at this point? Yeah, so for you had a had that... couple
2: of months, I was oh, yeah. reading, um, you know, I was reading the scriptures every day and actually you know, in the county jail, you can listen to his radio. Yeah, and yeah. so I was listening to some teaching on there that was coming on. Praise God. Yeah, um, there was a, um, a lot of Charles Stanley. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. that. Um, and so, you know, I was trying to learn to follow the Lord. Wasn't really, didn't really have anyone discipling me mm-hmm. at that point because I was in a maximum security location and didn't really interact with anyone other than the seven other prisoners mm-hmm. in that, you know, maximum security holding cell. And so... As I faced the judge, he said 45 years, and Mm -hmm. I didn't really remember hearing anything else. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it didn't take long, and I realized that he had actually shown mercy um, and had given me um, a sentence where I had to serve 10 years in prison. But if I returned and committed a crime within five years of being released, I would have had to return to prison for 35 years so he actually showed mercy in the way that forty-five year sentence was structured, mm-hmm. um, and so for the next decade, I was in the South Carolina Department of Corrections from the age of seventeen um, until just before my twenty-seventh birthday, mm-hmm. and so for the most part, I was incarcerated from the age of fourteen to twenty-seven, pretty much. And but during that last you know decade, the time I was incarcerated in South Carolina there were people from the community who came in from local churches who invested in me, who poured God's Word, truth, and love into my life. Mm. And they helped me believe that, you know, with Christ, I could have a future greater than my past. You know, they helped me learn that my identity was in Christ. That was foundational, that I was not the things that I had did. Mm -hmm. I was not the things that other people said I was, mm-hmm. but that I was loved by God, that I was forgiven by God, and that that most importantly, that since I was created by Him, my future was written by Him, mm-hmm. not yeah. by not by the seriousness of my mistakes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So
0: you're you're in prison, and you have these church members coming to pour into you, which is, you know, it. Uh, highlights the importance of prison ministry. Exactly. I mean, that you've got a new believer, like someone like yourself, that, that's got this charge that could be in mm-hmm. there for, you know, decades or life, right. and then they have an encounter with the Lord just by themselves, reading a Bible or reading an article, right. and you've got this fresh, new, young believer that needs discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so to have ministry, I mean, I know we have chaplains in place there, and there's other believers who are there maybe longer term, but to have these ministries like Jumpstarter, like the ones that uh, that were serving you, to pour into these individuals is incredibly important. You know, absolutely. Um,
2: and one caveat there, Curtis, I think is important for those listening in who have some interest in this, mm-hmm. is that there are a lot of churches doing prison ministry,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, but I would just challenge them to think about: Are we doing transactional ministry, or are we doing relational ministry? Because a lot of churches they go once a quarter and they Mm. preach at the people there. You need to get saved. You need to turn to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the fact is is there are a lot of brothers and sisters incarcerated who have turned to Jesus who need to be disciples who need to know how to grow. And and so I would encourage churches to think about: Is our prison ministry relationally focused to where we're you know pouring into the same people over a long period of time and helping them grow, not just going to preach or send in, yeah, yeah. you know, Deacon Joe to preach because we don't want to listen to him at our church. Well,
0: well, and I think I completely agree, and I would recommend those pastors or those those ministry leaders to connect with, you know, the jump starts of the world, and there's other leaders, other ministries who, are, who have more structure in place, long-term investment in right. those correctional facilities, have relationships build up with the chaplains. Right. Yeah, no, that's Absolutely. That's a good advice.
1: Speaking of that, one thing I was going to ask you, Carrie, is, is do you have um, one or two people or one or two men that you, in your time there, that continuously poured into you and, and have you since communicated with them that this is what you're doing? I mean, they, they had a follow up and connection with? There's any kind of story like that people you've worked with that worked with you while you were in Curtin Incarceration?
2: Yeah, there are a bunch of stories. Yeah. Um, one I'll tell is, I, you know, as I was nearing my release, there was a volunteer coming in named Richard Ingram, and he was coming in and volunteering with Jumpstart, which I was mm-hmm. participating in <laughs> while I was incarcerated. Yeah. And he said, Kerry, what are you gonna do when you get out? And I said, sir, I'm gonna get a minimum wage job, and I'm gonna work as hard as I possibly can, and hopefully someone will give me an opportunity, mm-hmm. and I can move up, and move out of my mama's house, and have a place of my own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, Kerry, you know, I think it's okay to think about how you're gonna survive, but I think you need to think about how you're gonna thrive. Wow. and he said i think you need to go to university when you get out mm-hmm. and i laughed at him i said sir i i just don't even think that's a possibility yeah i said do you realize this this isn't a summer camp this is a prison <laughs> and we're here for serious <laughs> things i'm not going to college my family doesn't have money for college all i've got is a ged in prison i think you're out of touch with reality sir and i you know i've always been kind of direct mm-hmm. and he said will you pray about it i said yes sir he came back the next week and he said, "Carrie, have you been praying about it? And I said, absolutely not. You know, I don't <laughs> want to lie to him. And, um, and he said, I've been praying about it, and I think you need to go to North Greenville University.
0: <laughs>
2: and I really laughed then. I said, Mr. Ingram, I know you're not hearing from God now. I have a lifetime trespassing ban from North Greenville University. <laughs> I said, I used to go up there and bust the windows out of cars and offices and steal whatever I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to school there. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I'm going to keep praying about it. And long story short, North Greenville gave me a scholarship for undergraduate work. Uh, Back in 2014, I was able to finish up my undergrad work there in Christian studies. I went on and got a master's elsewhere. And I'm in the dissertation stage of a doctorate now with North Greenville University. And that was because Mr. Ingram chose to kind of lean into a situation where a kid thought he was senile almost Mm -hmm. um, and just say, hey, kid. God can open doors that you can't, put yourself in a position to work hard, and then kind of just trust him with the the rest. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a
0: powerful example of believing on behalf of someone else who may not believe in themselves, and how powerful that belief and encouragement and just casting a little vision Mm -hmm. for somebody who may not have it on their own, how Significant that can be in someone's life, you know. Absolutely. Uh, and even personally, you know, thinking about getting around people who enlarge your own vision, you know, right, who, yeah. who expand your own capacity to to dream with God and believe God for different things. And
1: yeah, we we all need those those Mr. Ingrams in our life. Yeah. We're gonna see more <laughs> in us and in our future and hope than even we can necessarily see in the moment because of, you know, largely because he believed in you, but probably more so because of his own personal faith in God. He mm-hmm. did pray about it. Mm-hmm. and He prayed about it. The Lord revealed, he felt like the Lord was telling him, no, you right. will go to college. He said yeah. to get you on board with that. You know? Yeah, so that's <laughs> absolutely. That's awesome. That's really good. Well, yeah.
0: well so, Kerry, so. tell us how, so f- from that point of getting out and considering school and, you know, now yeah. you, obviously you're going back to school for, you know, got your master's and soon to be doctorate. And so um, how did you land at, at Jumpstart and the executive director seat? You know, how did you get to, yeah. uh, to where you are today?
2: And so... You know, I was at North Greenville for a couple of years and doing youth ministry. A church said, hey, you know, he's been a wayward youth. We've got a lot of wayward youth in our community. Let's hire him and get him a bus and let him go pick the kids up from these neighborhoods (laughs) Mm -hmm. and see what he can do with them. And so I was doing that and perfectly content doing that. Um, And Jumpstart called and said, you know, we need an inside program director to lead our program, you know, in 17 prisons in South Carolina are you interested? I said, absolutely not. You know, I had spent enough time around corrections. and didn't want any part of that. Um, and the individual asking me, security, will you pray about it? <laughs> and I said, yes, I will pray about it. And this time I did pray about it. Yeah. And I knew that when I left prison, what I promised to God is I did the best I could do without you. Hmm. And it led me to facing a life sentence. Keep me so I will follow you, Mm -hmm. and I will do whatever you've called me to do. And I knew he was leading me to go back and serve the people um, that hadn't had the opportunities I had. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was in 2015, and so I've been with Jumpstart ever since. Um, Last year they asked me um, to apply for the executive director role. They were going to do a nationwide search, and I'd been on the team for six years, and I didn't even want to apply. And another individual like Mr. Ingram, who believed in me, said, Carrie, I think you need to apply. He said, I think that that our organization likely needs someone who's lived it from the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you helped develop this thing from scratch. You understand it. I think, you know, you've earned the right to apply. Sure. Because um, yeah. I was still thinking. You know, an organization like this isn't going to hire someone with my kind of record, even though that's what they're doing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, because the shame and the guilt sometimes are the hardest Still things to overcome. you, yeah, you yeah, got to yeah. preach the gospel to yourself every that's day. Right. That's, good. that's, that's good. good. And so a year ago, um, you know, I was chosen as the executive director of Jumpstart. So I'm in my seventh year with the organization. And um, God is good.
0: Yeah, yes, and I love it. I love the story of. I mean, who else should be the executive re- director than someone who has been through, you know, walked through the the trials of failure and making serious mistakes and, you know, incarceration and then come through the system and then come back out and been successful. Like, I mean, you're a walking testimony yeah, exactly. of uh, of JumpStart and the mission and the ministry there, and you know, I love love to hear those success stories. And I know there's dozens others like you, maybe hundreds of others who have come through the program who've been success stories. Um, And we want to encourage you uh, listening to... You know, get connected to JumpStart as well. You know, we're going to take another uh, episode and hear more about uh, the specifics of the ministry and you know what exactly they do and how you can uh, get involved. So, uh, stay tuned with us uh, next time for that episode. Uh, but of course, you can always connect with them at their website at JumpStartVision.org. That's JumpStartVision.org. Um, well, Carrie, we've just got a couple minutes left, and I was thinking, you know, maybe as we land this, uh, maybe you could speak to s- someone who is just, you know, listening to this and may not have a relationship with God. Maybe they're far from God and maybe in a situation that you were in or someone, mm-hmm. you know, a troubled youth. Uh, mm-hmm. One, you could speak to that person, but then also how, what would you say to their family who maybe, mm-hmm. you know, loves the Lord and is praying for them and believing for them but yet it may seem like it's getting worse (laughs) you know Uh, what are the two because I'm sure your family maybe walked through some of that or people close to you walked through some of that how would you do that in uh, just less than a a minute or so (laughs) I
2: would say it begins with being honest and transparent with God Mm -hmm. Um, when Jesus hung and bled and died on the cross he did it for all regardless of what they have done so whether it's the individual who thinks that God could never save them or it's the family member who believes that there is no redemption for my loved one Jesus is still able he is able to rescue and restore anyone and I would say for those who maybe don't believe God does exist put them to the test say God if you're real I want to know submit yourself Mm -hmm. to that and watch what God'll do. Yeah.
0: Amen. Amen. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> the act of sin-